I want to thank you for letting me have a vacation. And to be very honest with you, I only spent probably about two days of my vacation thinking about what am I going to preach about at MCC. Does that encourage you or does it make you afraid? In coming back, I thought I was going to do, I think I told you, I was going to do just a conclusion this month of Revelation. But as I moved into the last chapter, I thought, no, I can't do that. And so in obedience to the Holy Spirit and in mercy to you and in peace for myself, I decided that we could do chapter 22 nobly and fully and not have to worry about, okay, we have to wrap this whole thing up this month. We've got lots of time. Do we, Lord? <laughs> but at any rate, we are going to look at chapter 22 today and next week. It is a wonderful chapter. It is a continuation of 21, but it gives more specific focus as to bringing us to that conclusion of what is this whole book about. And so as we go into this, let's uh, trust the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a rock. It is a light. It is a encouragement, a comfort to us particularly in the times that we are living in. We thank you that we can trust your word. We trust you. Touch our ears, touch our hearts, and allow us to be able to really grasp what you're speaking to us as a congregation, as a people, and also as individuals. Remove those things that block us from really hearing you. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it's the New Jerusalem continued from chapter 21. And as we have done for the last probably almost 30 times, we have read this verse and it has been, I believe, a focus for us and an understanding of what this book is all about. This is not just something lightly read. For most of us, we come to the book of Revelation, if we're reading through the Bible in a daily reading plan, we come to the book of Revelation once or perhaps twice in a year. And as I have confessed to you, I have gone as quickly as I could through Revelation in years past because I didn't understand it. It was, to be very honest with you, scary. And there were some mysteries there that theologians over the years haven't been able to really understand, it seems. Some people think they've got it. They've nailed it. But... I'm more confused than when I started on this study as to what I really believe. But we need to keep our hearts open because the Lord can speak to us and lead us individually. We have to be based on the word, 
but he can speak to us through his word. And we have read this, and let's read it again. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. The river of life, the tree of life, and the lamb. And then we'll have a communion following. So let's hurry along. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Incredible. Incredible words. Let's look at this river of life and the tree of life and then the lamb. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. You know, there's several mentions of rivers in the Bible. And there's a few in this book, but most of the mention of a river has to do with punishment and judgment. When we usually think of a river, particularly what God did in the garden, he put a river there and by the river, a tree of life. And that river broke out into four branches and it watered the earth. God's intention for rivers is not of judgment. Like we heard from Beth, they had rivers flowing down the streets. Sounds pretty much like this. But that is not what God pictures the purpose of rivers. There'll be a river of life flowing in us, the scriptures say. And so God's blessing comes through rivers. But in Revelation, it seems that Rivers are a judgment and, in fact, a hazard and a curse. But the angel showed John the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, not a muddy river like in Kagoshima, but bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Genesis 2.10 says, now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. Four is the number of God's intention of his giving to his people, as in the four Gospels. God is pouring out to us the water of life. We love the Gospels, don't we? How many, this is the most favorite part 
of the Bible for you, the Gospels. So we're, we're really a gospel church. If In fact, that's where our heart is when we think in terms of the church. It's Jesus' teaching. He's the head of the church. He's the one that chose these to write for us, to record for us what Jesus had done in his lifetime. It reveals his purposes. This river is a blessing. John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus said to the woman of Samaria, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then in John 7, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can you imagine that? Have you experienced that? There are things that as you have read the word, as you've walked with Jesus, something comes out of your heart and your communion and your relationship with Jesus Christ that blesses others. The river of life. That's what he told this woman who had already had five husbands. Her heart was so dry. She was so thirsty. But Jesus had promised her, out of her heart would flow a river of living water. Have you had that experience? Do you understand that in your dryness, in your time of, Lord, what is going on in my life? What is the purpose of this? I trust you. You're the one that gives the water of life. You can start a river in my heart. Look at Isaiah 44, 3, when you have time. Then we have the tree of life. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The tree of life. What other tree was there in the garden? It was a false tree. It was not a real tree. I think we've shared this before, but you know, of those two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life were very different. Basically, very extremely different. One was living, the other one was fake. In fact, God had told Adam, you can eat of any tree that has seed in it. It's yours, but not of that tree. Why? It didn't have a seed of life. That's why I don't eat seedless watermelon. No. <laughs> We've perfected the seed out of fruits, but God's purpose was to propagate through seed. And the tree of life had seed, living seed. So that if you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you've received seed 
that will grow and produce the life of Jesus in you that will bless others. That's why we gather together here as believers to encourage one another to share our life together in the Lord and in his life and celebrate his life. And this tree bore 12 different kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And I won't get into that, but the healing of the nations, we are in a situation that we've talked about over and over again now as we've gone through Revelation. Our world today is at a crisis time. You all listen to the news, right? You all look on the internet and you see all the things that are happening worldwide. There has never, ever been a time like our era. This is the first time this world has had this many people, that much communication, that much transportation and mobility worldwide. We are living in the last days. And you might say, well, preachers have been saying that for hundreds of years. Well, sorry, I don't care. We are in the last days. I truly understand that to be because of the facts looking around us. And we need to be prepared. And the nations are hurting. And this nation is hurting. And you know that we in this room are probably above average. In fact, we are above average of all the Japanese churches. The average size of a Japanese church is less than 30 people. Does that disturb you? Well, we could say, well, that's MCC. No, no, that's God's mercy and his grace. But the church in Japan is hurting. Our church here, the Japanese church in this building, is struggling without a pastor. Have been without a pastor for more than two years now. That's hard. It's difficult. We need to keep praying for them. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Jesus said, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave us the tree of life. Third point is, in verses 3 to 5, no longer will there be anything accursed, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is a promise. That is a declaration. That is a truth. And speaking of the Lamb, John goes on to say, no longer will there be anything accursed. 
the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. His bond slaves will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. The Lord will be their light. This is the promise of God. This is what Jesus has come to give us in just these five short verses. We see that he is the fulfillment of the river of life. He's the fulfillment of the tree of life. And he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the end of the declaration of Revelation 22 in pointing to the Lamb. And he is the one that for us gave everything. We've talked many times about the Japanese word gi, where the kanji is the lamb over ware, which means righteousness, or gi. God planted that in the Chinese language, in the Japanese language. For us to understand where our wholeness comes from, where we are brought together, not as a people scattered and insignificant in this nation. He's calling us as his people to be righteous. And he's bringing to us the river of life, the tree of life, and his righteousness through the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We might think that this message is in weakness, and it is. It's too simple. It's speaking of a lamb, which is probably one of the most dependent, weak animals in the animal kingdom. But Jesus is referred to as the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Why? Because for hundreds of years, thousands of years, there has been lambs sacrificed over and over and over again. Who would kill a lamb? But many have been sacrificed. And Jesus takes that symbol and personifies that in his life, of laying down his life for us. And we become righteous in trusting him. Not a righteousness of my own. His righteousness. Praise the Lord.